0: Thank you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We are now continuing with Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Schuman. Hi, this is Roy Schumann, and welcome again to Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the fulfillment, the full realization of all of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and her sacraments. Today is the feast day of St. Augustine, a, a very, very um, major, needless to say, church father, and um, I just wanted to kind of orient the show around him. It's not terribly related directly, I suppose, to the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, although there is um, a little side story there. Um, St. Augustine certainly certainly was um, very aware of the interaction between Judaism and the Catholic Church, as was his mentor, St. Ambrose, who was the Bishop of Milan, who brought uh, St. Augustine into the Church. Um, And in fact, it's not an entirely happy story, because the period that St. Augustine lived, which was the end of the 4th century, the very beginning of the 5th century, was a period when um, there was still... uh, let's say, a very active rivalry between, between Judaism and the Jewish community and the Catholic community. So there was a little, a little um, uh, kind of mutual aggressiveness there, but I don't really want to talk about that. I want to talk about St. Augustine's love of God when he finally did convert and um, come to know God through the Catholic Church. Before then, although his mother was uh, was a good Catholic, I think we all know about St. Monica praying for decades for her son's conversion and him finally converting. Uh, St. Augustine, when he was a young man, fell into um, a kind of uh, a paganism known as Manichaean- Manichaeism. So anyway, uh, I'm going to start a little bit... Uh, out of sequence here i think today there is a incredibly beautiful hymn in that's used in the church that's used in some of the liturgy and that is used in what's called the divine office which is the liturgy that every monk and nun recites um over the course of the day i think it's now yeah it's called the divine office um liturgy of the hours and so forth And this hymn is attributed to St. Augustine. It's not entirely certain. It's pretty certain that it comes from the period when he lived. But but historically, traditionally, it's attributed to either St. Augustine or a combination of St. Augustine and St. Ambrose, his mentor. And it is the Te Deum. uh, Te te Deum, you, O God. And it is a full-throated praise of God that appears in the Divine Office, uh, every, frankly, every Sunday and feast day at the end of Matins. And so I think where I want to start the show, which is really in honor of God, in the words of St. Augustine, so to speak, I will recite the um, the lyrics, the words of the prayer Te Deum, And then I will play a clip of a group of monks chanting it very beautifully. And then I will go from there on to uh, some readings from St. Augustine's Confessions, which are just pure... The readings that I will read will be essentially pure praise of God. Because I think actually... We can look at the world, and many of us do look at the world these days, and we see all kinds of things going wrong in the news. We see health catastrophes worldwide. We see military catastrophes worldwide or terrorism catastrophes worldwide. And, of course, right now we're very aware of some new tragedies in the Middle East. And uh, we tend to think of them as... Those being the tragedies, the perhaps the uh, Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and the slaughtering of the Christians there, which is one heck of a big tragedy, of course, or um, a renewal of violence and conflict in the Middle East, or an upsurge in terrorism, or a worldwide pandemic, or whatever, and we see these things as tragedies, but that's not really the engine that's driving the tragedy, the engine that's tri- driving the tragedy is a prevalence of sin and us, mankind, really, turning our backs on God and not giving God the honor and praise and obedience that's his due, period. That's the source of all the catastrophes in the world. Uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary at Fatima said, quote, wars are a punishment for sin. Worldwide disasters are a punishment for sin. We saw that, of course, with the Noah's flood. We saw that in Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw that, according to the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the First World War and the Second World War. It's undoubtedly what's driving what we're seeing today. So, as a tiny, tiny, tiny drop in the ocean to push against that, I want to dedicate today's show to, as I said, the uh, full-throated, praise and adoration of God through the words of St. Augustine, given that is his feast day. So, first the words, the Te Deum. We praise Thee, O God. We acknowledge Thee to be the Lord. All the earth doth worship Thee, the Father everlasting. To Thee all angels cry aloud, the heavens and all the powers therein. To Thee cherubim and seraphim continually cry, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy majesty, of thy glory. The glorious company of apostles praise thee. The goodly fellowship of the prophets praise thee. The noble army of martyrs praise thee. The holy church throughout all the world doth acknowledge thee. The Father of an infinite majesty, thine honorable, true, and only Son, and the Holy Ghost the Comforter. Thou art the King of glory, O Christ. Thou art the everlasting Son of the Father. When Thou tookest upon Thee to deliver man, Thou didst not abhor the virgin's womb. When Thou hast overcome the sharpness of death, Thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Thou sittest at the right hand of God, in the glory of God the Father. We believe that Thou shalt come to be our judge. We therefore pray Thee, Help thy servants, whom thou hast redeemed with thy precious blood. Make them to be numbered with thy saints in glory everlasting. Amen. So, having just recited the Te Deum, let me play a minute or two of it being chanted by a community of monks. Going to fade out, fade that out for the moment, because um, at the musical break, about halfway through the show, when we obviously normally have some music, I will play more of it. But for now, I just wanted to give a little little taste of it. Um, Again, remember that the uh, the organizing theme of this show is that it's Saint Augustine's feast day that St. Augustine is credited with having composed this very beautiful prayer, the Te Deum, which uh, echoes a number of his beautiful passages and his confessions of pure praise of God. And, of course, (laughs) the state of the world is calling on us to turn back to God. And as a matter of fact, everything that's happening in the world is, in fact, a chastisement that's coming from the fact that we have Turn, not only turned our backs on God, actually, but essentially, excuse the expression, but spit in his face. And uh, that expression, to spit in the face of God, uh, actually appears to be there in the book of Job. Uh, it's a rather mysterious Hebrew passage, but um, it's, basically, <laughs> it's basically an ancient Hebrew version of the Bronx Cheer. And if ever humanity has been given giving God the Bronx cheer, it's us in our day. So that's the theme of today's show. It is, of course, a live call-in program. And if anybody wishes to call in, they may do so at any time with a comment or a question or a complaint or whatever. Uh, the number here is 866-333-6279. Or eight six six three 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 Mary M A R Y. But with that, let me uh, start reading some passages from Saint Augustine's Confessions. Uh, you'll recognize some of these phrases from the Te Deum, by the way. Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is thy power, and of thy wisdom there is no number and man desires to praise Thee, he is but a tiny part of all Thou hast created. He bears about him his mortality, the evidence of his sinfulness, and the evidence that Thou dost resist the proud, yet this tiny part of all that Thou hast created desires to praise Thee. Thou dost so excite him that to praise Thee is his joy, for Thou hast made us for Thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Grant me, O Lord, to know which is the soul's first movement toward thee, to implore thy aid or to utter its praise of thee, and whether it must know thee before it can implore. For it would seem clear that no one can call upon thee without knowing thee. Yet may it be that a man must implore thee before he can know thee, But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Or how shall they believe without a preacher? And they shall praise the Lord that seek him, for those that seek shall find, and finding him they will praise him. Let me seek thee, Lord, by praying thy aid, and let me utter my prayer believing in thee, for thou hast been preached to us. My faith, Lord, cries to thee, the faith that thou hast given me that thou hast breathed into me through the humanity of thy Son and by the ministry of thy preacher. Let me make a couple of comments here. First of all, it is uh, obviously true in a sense that man is but a tiny part of all that God has created. I sometimes think that we don't do God justice when we only look at the physical world, and, of course, the world of living creatures and the spiritual world of the angels as the creation of God, because we forget that he also created essentially the fabric of existence, meaning all chemistry, all physics um, you know all everything to do with light and gravity and magnetism and atoms and subatomic particles and electricity. Everything that binds that that is the fabric, basically the fabric of physical existence, is also a creation of God and a manifestation of His wisdom and His love for us. Because even though we're a tiny part of all that He created, in a sense, He certainly created the entire physical creation for man, for us. You could argue that He created the angels not necessarily for man. Perhaps he created the angels for their own sake. But certainly the entire physical world was only created to be a kind of sandbox for man to grow up in until he's ready for the spiritual world, until he's ready for heaven. So on the one hand, he's a tiny part of creation. Of course, we know the size of the galaxy and the size of the solar system and the size of the universe and so forth. But at the same time, through some mystery that's kind of unfathomable, man is the purpose of all of that creation. Now, um, the uh, St. Saint, uh, Saint Augustine here also, obviously, for instance, he says, "...it may be that man must implore thee before he can know thee, but how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed, or how shall they believe without a preacher?" And I just wanted to make a little comment there. Um, I had the great privilege of meeting a young woman who is a contemplative sister. Not strictly contemplative. She's a sister of Our Lady of Mercy. That's the Order of St. Faustina. Uh, She is from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's from an Eastern European country. I don't remember whether it was Slovenia or whether it was perhaps even um Albania but in any case it was uh, when she was growing up her parents were fervent atheist communists she was growing up in, up in a country which was it probably was Albania was entirely communist and atheist there was no practice of religion there was no mention of god um he just was not at all in the consciousness. And um, she had no idea of God's existence or even the fact that people believed in God. But she looked up at the night sky one night and she saw the stars and she knew there has to be a God. And she, of course, eventually became Catholic and became a, a nun. So, It may be that man must implore God before he can know God, but I think God also reaches directly into the human soul. Anyway, continuing with St. Augustine. But how can I call unto my God, my God and my Lord? For in calling unto him I am calling him to me. And what room is there in me for my God, the God who made heaven and earth? Is there anything in me, O God, that can contain you? All heaven and earth cannot contain you, for you made them, and me in them. Yet since nothing that is could exist without you, you must in some way be in all that is, therefore also in me, since I am. And if you are already in me, since otherwise I should not be, why do I cry to you to enter into me? Even if I were in hell you would be there, For if I go down into hell, thou art there also. That's a citation from a psalm. Thus, O God, I should be nothing, utterly nothing, unless you were in me, or rather, unless I were in you, of whom and by whom and in whom are all things. So it is, Lord, so it is. Where do I call you to come to, since I am in you? Or where else are you that you can come to me? Where shall I go beyond the bonds of heaven and earth that God may come to me since he has said heaven and earth do I fill? I hesitate I hesitate to add anything or, or, or comment on these beautiful words of Saint Augustine, but I guess I guess I am going to anyway, which is that Yes, God is inevitably in us. We, our existence is only supported by God's active support of our existence at every moment. That's true of everything that is. However, God respects our free will so much that he doesn't act upon us, upon our free will, let's say, without our consent. And therefore, the more we ask God into us, the more we ask for instance, Jesus, to animate our feelings, to animate our reactions, to animate our love for our fellow man, to purify us of evil thoughts, to um, guide our thoughts and our actions and our decisions and so forth, the more he does act in us and on us and through us. And he waits for us to ask him to. So even though he's already in us, so to speak, he is still waiting, waiting for us to give him permission to act ever more in us. Which is, um, I don't want to say it's the point of prayer, but it's a huge point of prayer. is to always be asking God to act more in us, and essentially always turning over our, the keys of our car, so to speak, our ignition keys to God, saying, here are the keys, you drive. Okay, so continuing. What then is my God? What but the Lord God? For who is Lord but the Lord? Or who is God but our God? O thou, the greatest and the best, mightiest, almighty, most merciful and most just, utterly hidden and yet utterly present, most beautiful and most strong, abiding yet mysterious suffering no change, and changing all things, never new, never old, making all things new, bringing age upon the proud, and they know it not, ever in action, ever at rest, gathering all things to thee, and needing none, sustaining and fulfilling and protecting, creating and nourishing and making perfect, ever seeking, though lacking nothing. Thou lovest without subjection to passion, Thou art jealous, but not with fear. Thou canst know repentance, but not sorrow. Be angry, yet unperturbed by anger. Thou canst change the works thou hast made, but thy mind stands changeless. Thou dost find and receive back what thou didst never lose. Art never in need, but dost rejoice in thy gains. Art not greedy, but dost exact interest manifold. Men pay thee more than is of obligation to win return from thee, yet who has anything that is not already thine? Thou owest nothing, yet dost pay as if in debt to thy creature, forgives what is owed to thee, yet dost not lose thereby. And with all this, what have I said, my God, and my life, and my sacred delight? What can any one say when he speaks of thee? Yet woe to them that speak not of thee at all, since those who say most are but dumb this is so beautiful because of course of course in a sense when you're dealing with god or or talking about god there's a way in which everything is a paradox right what can we say of god that is is worthy of being said of him and yet woe to them that do not speak of god um anyway Wow, okay. I'll just continue. Who shall grant me to rest in thee? By whose gift shalt thou enter into my heart, and fill it so compellingly that I shall turn no more to my sins, but embrace thee, my only good? What art thou to me? Have mercy that I may tell. Or rather, what am I to thee that thou shouldst demand my love, and if I do not love thee, be angry, and threaten such great woes? Surely not to love thee is already a great woe. For thy mercy's sake, O Lord my God, tell me what thou art to me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Speak so that I may hear, Lord, my heart is listening. Open it, that it may hear thee say to my soul, I am thy salvation. Hearing that word, let me come in haste to lay hold upon thee. Hide not thy face from me. Let me see thy face even if I die, lest I die with longing to see it. The house of my soul is too small to receive thee. Let it be enlarged by thee. It is all in ruins. Do thou repair it? There are things in it that must offend thy gaze. I confess and I know. But who shall cleanse it? Or to what other besides Thee shall I cry out? From my secret sins cleanse me, O Lord, and from those of others spare Thy servant. I believe, and therefore do I speak. Lord, Thou knowest, have I not confessed against myself my transgressions against Thee, and Thou, my God, hast forgiven the iniquities of my heart? I contend not in judgment with Thee, who art the truth, and I have no will to deceive myself lest my iniquity lie unto itself. Therefore I contend not in judgment with thee, for thou, O Lord, will mark iniquities, Lord, who shall endure it. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer, huh? I have no will to deceive myself. Imagine that. Imagine praying, praying not to live in a state of self-deception to see things in the true light, true light of God and not to create a kind of, uh, you know, fictional mask for ourselves that we see ourselves in. From my secret sins cleanse me, O Lord, and from those of others spare thy servant. I contend not in judgment with thee who art the truth, we should not obviously hold up our judgment against the judgment of god and argue about whose judgment is right every one of these sentences is worth uh dwelling on oh my goodness oh my goodness how time flies uh, i am already almost at the halfway point in the program and uh so uh and uh, I, I don't think i don't think i've received any calls that's fine i don't mind I don't mind babbling. That's what I get the big bucks for. But um, that's a joke, by the way. But um, at the same time, I do get tired of hearing my voice. So remember, this is a live call-in program. The number here is 866-333-6279 or 866-333-MARY, M-A-R-Y. And um, what I will do now is I will go back to playing the Te Deum. The words of the Te Deum are basically uh, uh, a synthesis of everything that I've been reading from St. Augustine's Confessions. So I'll I'll go back and play a few minutes of the Te Deum as the musical break, about halfway through the show. And uh, if you wish to call, it's always a good time to call, because then coming out of the musical break, I will take the calls, and then I will go back. To reading these beautiful passages from St. Augustine's Confessions on today, his feast day. Uh, You're listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, on Radio Maria with me, your host, Roy Shoman, and I will be back in a few minutes.
1: (tries) Lum padre, tibi universi we
0: It's always painful to um, to turn that off. Uh, I, if if it's painful for you, also um, the uh, the hymn is called the Te Deum. That's T E new word D E U M, you God, and uh, there are any number of beautiful chants of it on on YouTube. So if you wish to. Um, if you wish to listen to it in its entirety or listen to different versions of it, although the melody itself is, um, is a kind of a, a standard one, there are other settings of it too. Uh, that's one easy way to, to find it. Anyway, you are listening to Jesus the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria with me, your host, Roy Schoman. And uh, today being the feast day of St. Augustine, we are reading some passages from his beautiful confessions and the reason why we just listen to the Te Deum is because the Te Deum, the hymn, that's that's part of the Divine Office and, and part of the liturgy is attributed to having been written by him or by him and Saint Ambrose who was the Bishop of Milan at the time who brought uh, Saint Augustine into the Church so however Um, There haven't been any callers, so I will go back to reading from St. Augustine's Confessions. O Lord, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast broken my bonds. I will sacrifice to thee the sacrifice of praise. Let my heart and my tongue praise thee, and let all my bones say, O Lord, who is like to thee, let them say and do thou answer me, and say to my soul, I am thy salvation. Who am I, and what kind of man am I? What evil has there not been in my deeds? Or if not in my deeds, in my words? Or if not in my words, then in my will? But you, Lord, are good and merciful, and your right hand had regard to the profundity of my death, and drew out of the abyss of corruption that was in the bottom of my heart, excuse me, and drew out the abyss of corruption that was in the bottom of my heart. By your gift, I had come totally not to will what I willed, but to will what you willed. That's another beautiful prayer. Every sentence here, right, is in a sense a prayer. Imagine praying, Lord, let me will not what I will, but let me will what you will. But where in all that long time was my free will, and from what deep, sunken hiding place was it suddenly summoned forth in the moment in which I bowed my neck to your easy yoke and my shoulders to your light burden, Christ Jesus, my Helper and my Redeemer? Another another beautiful prayer, right? Imagine praying, Lord, teach me to bow my neck to your yoke and my shoulders to your burden. How lovely I suddenly found it to be free from the loveliness of those vanities, so that now it was a joy to renounce what I had been so afraid to lose. For you cast them out of me, O true and supreme loveliness, you cast them out of me and took their place in me, you who are sweeter than all pleasure, yet not to flesh and blood, brighter than all light, yet deeper within than any secret, loftier than all honour, but not to those who are lofty to themselves, now, my mind was free from the cares that had gnawed it from aspiring and getting and weltering in filth and rubbing the scab of lust and I talked with you as friends talk, my glory and my riches and my salvation, my Lord God. I have to force myself to go on cause all I want to do is keep reading re- repeating this one this paragraph, it's just. Just so, so beautiful. So beautiful. Let me actually uh, go back on it and turn it into a few more prayers. Um, Lord, teach us to be free from from the glamour and apparent loveliness of the vanities that we care about. And let us find it a joy to renounce those Empty things, those vanities, cast them out of me, O true and supreme beauty, you who are sweeter than all pleasure, cast out of me the desire for all other pleasures that are beneath thee I am going to I, i'm sorry um i I'm, I'm I'm going to read the last few sentences. How lovely I suddenly found it to be free from the loveliness of those vanities, so that now it was a joy to renounce what I had been so afraid to lose. For you cast them out of me, O true and supreme loveliness. You cast them out of me and took their place in me. You, who are sweeter than all pleasure, yet not to flesh and blood, brighter than all light, yet deeper within than any secret, loftier than all honor, but not to those who are lofty to themselves. Now my mind was free from the cares that had nodded, from aspiring and getting and weltering in filth and rubbing the scab of lust. And I talked with you as friends talk, my glory and my riches and my salvation, my Lord God. Okay, I will continue. And I thought it would be good In your sight, if I did not dramatically snatch my tongue's service from the speech, whoops, never mind, uh, erase that last uh, half sentence. Let me know thee who knowest me, let me know thee even as I am known. O thou, the power of my soul, enter into it and fit it for thyself, that thou mayest have and possess it without spot or wrinkle. This is my hope, this is my prayer, and in this hope do I rejoice when I rightly rejoice. But as for the other things of this life, the more we weep for them, the less they deserve our tears, and the less we weep for them, the more we should weep. For behold, thou lovest the truth, and he that does the truth comes to the light. I wish to do it in confession in my heart before thee, in my writing before many witnesses. And even if I would not confess to you what could be hidden in me, O Lord, from you whose eyes the deepest depths of man's conscience lies bare, I should only be hiding you from myself, not myself from you. But now that my groaning is witnessed, that I am displeasing to myself. Um, excuse me, I'm going to have to stop because actually um, what I'm reading from has a misprint here and I cannot, um, I, I, can't, I can't read the ends of lines. So I'm going to have to just skip to the next paragraph. But where in my memory do you abide, Lord? Where in my memory do you abide, what resting place have you claimed as your own? What sanctuary built for yourself? You have paid this honor to my memory, that you deign to abide in it. But now I come to consider in what part of it you abide. In recalling you to mind, I have mounted beyond those parts of memory which I have in common with the beasts, in that I did not find you among the images of corporal things. And I came to those parts in which are kept the affections of my mind and I could not find you there. And I came to the innermost seat of my mind, and you were not there, because just as you are not a corporal image, or any affection of any living man, such as we have when we are glad or sad, when we desire, fear, remember, forget, and all such things, so you are not the mind itself, because you are the Lord God of the mind. And all these things suffer change, but you remain unchangeable over all and yet you deign to dwell in my memory ever since the time I first learned of you. And indeed, why do I seek in what place of my memory you dwell as though there were places in my memory? Certain I am that you dwell in it, because I remember you since the time I first learned of you, and because I find you in it when I remember you. Now we come to one of the most famous passages from St. Augustine's Confessions. Late have I loved thee, O beauty so ancient and so new, late have I loved thee. For behold, thou wert within me and I outside, and I sought the outside, and in my unloveliness fell upon those lovely things that thou hast made. Thou wert with me, and I was not with thee. I was kept from thee by those things, Yet had they not been in thee, they would not have been at all. Thou didst call and cry to me and break open my deafness, and thou didst send forth thy beams and shine upon me and chase away my blindness. Thou didst breathe fragrance upon me, and I drew in my breath and do now pant for thee. I tasted thee, and now hunger and thirst for thee. Thou didst touch me, and I have burned for thy peace." When once I shall be united to thee with all my being, there shall be no more grief and toil, and all my life will be alive, filled wholly with thee. Thou dost raise up him whom thou dost fill, whereas being not yet filled with thee, I am a burden to myself. The pleasures of this life for which I should weep are in conflict with the sorrows of this life in which I should rejoice, and I know not on which side stands the victory. Woe is me, Lord, have pity on me, for I have likewise sorrows which are evil, and those are in conflict with the joys that are good, and I know not on which side stands the victory. Woe is me, Lord, have mercy upon me, woe is me. See, I do not hide my wounds, thou art the physician, I the sick man. Thou art merciful, I need mercy. Is not the life of man on earth a trial? Who would choose trouble and difficulty? Thou dost command us to endure them, not to love them. No one loves what he endures, though he may love to endure. For though he rejoices at his endurance, he would rather that there were nothing to endure. In adversity I desire prosperity. In prosperity I fear adversity. Yet what middle place is there between the two, where man's life may be other than trial? There is woe and woe again in the prosperity of this world. Woe from the fear of adversity, woe from the corruption of joy. There is woe in the adversity of this world, and a second woe, and a third, from the longing for prosperity, and because adversity itself is hard, and for fear that endurance may break. Is not man's life upon earth, trial within without intermission? All my hope is not, save in thy great mercy. Grant what thou dost command, and command what thou wilt. Thou dost command continence. And when I knew, as it is said, that no one could be continent unless God gave it, even this was a point of wisdom, to know whose gift it was. For by continence we are collected and bound up into unity within ourselves, whereas we have been scattered abroad in multiplicity. Too little does any man love thee, who loves some other thing together with thee, loving it not on account of thee, O thou love, who art ever burning and never extinguished. O charity, my God, enkindle me. Thou dost command continence, grant what thou dost command, and command what thou wilt. You know, it's so beautiful, because a lot of this is a... um, is uh, basically just a, a continual prayer, a concatenation of prayers, of um, prayers to uh, to um, invite God in more and more, to become what God wants us to be, to resist what we know we should resist and are unable to resist without the aid of God, to know God more and more, although we also know our inability to know God. Um, it, it's, it's the human condition, and it's the human condition in the um, context of continual acknowledgement of God, because in a sense, praise and worship of God is acknowledgement of God, and acknowledgement of God is praise and worship of God if we just think about who God is and who we are and why he created us and what he created us for and everything else he's done, if we simply dwell on that, what is that other than a continual fire hose stream of, of praise and worship? And uh, St. Augustine had the, had the genius and had the artistry of um, of pouring out that praise and worship, you know, into words, into these very beautiful confessions. Um, so, I uh, I want to go back to the uh, Te Deum, and um, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to. I'll just I'll just reread I'll just reread maybe one paragraph, um, and then uh, and then reread the words of the Te Deum, and then uh, I'll let the the beautiful chant of the Te Deum uh, permeate us for the last few minutes of the show. Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is thy power, and of thy wisdom there is no number. And man desires to praise Thee. He is but a tiny part of all Thou hast created. He bears about him his mortality, the evidence of his sinfulness, and the evidence that Thou dost resist the proud. Yet this tiny part of all that Thou hast created desires to praise Thee. Thou dost so excite him that to praise Thee is his joy. For Thou hast made us for Thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. Grant me, O Lord, to know which is the soul's first movement toward thee, to implore thy aid, or to utter its praise of thee, and whether it must know thee before it can implore. Let me seek thee, Lord, by praying thy aid, and let me utter my prayer, believing in thee, for thou hast been preached to us. My faith, Lord, cries to thee, the faith that thou hast given me, that thou hast breathed in me, through the humanity of thy Son, and by the ministry of thy preacher. by the way, I will add a little uh, coda here, a little a little postscript, since the show is the um, Jesus the promised Messiah of Judaism. It is in the human soul to have a longing for God, to want to know God, to want to serve God. That is true around the world, in every religion, in every human being. It's just a part of what we're built for. How privileged we are! How blessed we are, to know the truths of the Catholic faith. Imagine—well, I can—I can speak from my own experience. Growing up Jewish, I was dying to know, <laughs> to know God, to know what He truly wanted, to know what pleased Him. I could never get a straight answer about that. Um, um, think of—think of the poor Muslims. Under the scourge of Islam, they want to please God, so they cut off the heads of Christians because they're trying to please God. Because they want to please God, they they drape their wives in in um, what looks like, excuse me, what looks like uh, you know black bags from from head to toe because they think that's pleasing to God. Because they want to please God, on some level there is the desire to please God. And it is, it is twisted by, of course, the enemy of man's salvation into this total perversion of what God truly wants. But the engine behind it is still that as attribute of the human soul to want to please God. We are the ones, that is, the one we who have the truths of the Catholic faith, we are the ones who know exactly what God wants at every turn in our lives. What a blessing that alone is. Um, when When I first entered the church, I was painfully aware that my entire life up to that point, I would have cut off my right arm to know the truths in the Penny Catechism. Who is God? Who is man? What awaits us after we die? What does God want from us? What's pleasing to God? What's displeasing to God and so forth? Um, we have a lot to be thankful for as Catholics. We certainly have the sacraments. We have the ability to regain a state of grace through the sacrament of confession. Uh, We have the Eucharist, the greatest imaginable gift. But too infrequently do we think upon the gift of simply the knowledge of what God wants and how to praise Him properly and how to please Him. That in itself is an infinite, inestimable gift. So... With that, um, let me go back and uh, spend the last few minutes by uh, once again playing the Te Dam. And with that, I'll go out. So um, I hope you have enjoyed today's show. You've been listening to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria with me, your host, Roy Shulman. And I hope you join us again next week, same time, same place. Now back to the Te Deum, the hymn, of praise of God for who He is.
1: Of See, what is ternu se I'm <speaking in Spanish> In your...